0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Disease Du Jour podcast on the topic of performance horse nutrition with Dr. Steve Duran. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of EquiManagement. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Merck Animal Health. Steve Durin, BSMS, PhD, PAS, founded Performance Horse Nutrition in 2002. He consults with feed manufacturers and horse owners throughout the world. Dr. Duran authored the book, The 101 Most Frequently Asked Horse Nutrition Questions. And he also co-authored the book, The Concise Guide to Nutrition in the Horse. Thank you, Dr. Durin, for joining us today on the Disease Du Jour podcast to talk about performance horse nutrition.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, I'm really excited because I love talking about nutrition and I love learning about nutrition. And one of the things that I want to start with is in discussions you and I have had before, you've said that performance horses are not normal. And I'm using air quotes on normal. So what do you mean by that, Dr. Duran?
0: Well, if you if you think about what a horse would do in its its normal environment or natural environment, it it's certainly when we start making them into performance horses, it's abnormal to keep them in a stall, it's abnormal to feed them in meals rather than continuous access to feed. It's certainly abnormal to put them into trailers and transport them to events. And then most fundamentally, it's it's foreign to a horse to even be ridden so, all the things we ask of a performance horse is is not normally what they would choose.
1: Well, and I I, I like that, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to uh, let us start with that today. So, I realize we we only have a set amount of time, and like I said, I could talk about this for hour, I could ask questions for hours, and listen to you talk, but. I'd like to briefly discuss what you kind of have categories that you put performance horses in that veterinarians will have as patients. So what, what are those categories and what do they mean?
0: Yeah. So the, the normal equine practitioner will have a, a variety of equine clients and I classify these first is uh, those clients that own horses that only infrequently ride the horse. They worked their entire life to own the horse, but now the, paying of the bills and work and family, they don't get as much time to ride as they want. So these horses are only infrequently ridden, uh, mostly at, at a walk or, or a trot. Uh, they certainly are well taken care of. They're stalled, they're blanketed, they're all that and become very easy keepers. So that is probably the first category. Then as, as horse people um, get a little bit more involved in the riding, I call it frequent exercise, um, these horses are, are ridden four to five days a week, usually only for a very short time. By the time they get there and tack up and visit and do all the things that horse people do, they only get ridden about 30 to 40 minutes, maybe a day. Walk, trot mostly, probably 90% of the exercise, and just a little bit of cantering. These are the types of clients that you will have that will actually show but they won't be full-time professional showmen. They'll show mostly in weekend shows or once a month, something like that. Okay. Then as we, we move forward, we have those that I would classify as the moderate exercise people. Uh, these horses are five days a week, and 15% of their riding is at performance level. So these are your dressage horses, your jumping horses, Western performance horses that are actually uh, working at least 15% of their riding time in that discipline they're trained in. These horses exercise for a greater amount of time during the day, about 60 minutes. um, And and because of that, their energy requirement is higher. And typically, they are on um, more feed to accomplish that uh, caloric or satisfy that caloric requirement. Then finally, we have those that are the heavy exercise. Again, that's the five to six days a week. Now we're doing 30% of their exercise at training speed or, or training uh, intensity, about 60 minutes of riding a day. These would be like you're eventing horses, horses that are really working hard for a living. The other thing that that I point out to equine practitioners, and, and they certainly know this, most people will Overestimate how much work their horse is doing. Okay, yeah, he's he's ridden hard, and um, horses are are capable of a tremendous amount of work. So, in general, we have a tendency to overestimate how much work they're actually doing.
1: Today's Disease DuJour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. The maker of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panacure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions, Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their unconditional investment in our industry, profession, and community through programs such as the Respiratory Biosurveillance Program, the partnership with Equitrace, which delivers secure, streamlined record-keeping, and instantaneous temperature measurements when coupled with Merck Animal Health Biotherm Microchips. Visit MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com for more information. Well, and that leads us into. Um, I really, this is what the gist of what I wanted to talk to you about. And and I'm going to tell our uh, listeners that uh, I have seen uh, Dr. Duran McPresentations presentations, and uh, he he was allowed me to see one of his. And I could have sat there and gone through the whole thing, but we only have a limited amount of time. So we've picked a few common diet and health conditions that veterinarians might face in the field. So I think one of the most common is poor performance or Ain't doing right. So how do you address this from a nutrition standpoint, Dr. Duran?
0: Yeah, typically when we have a horse that's not performing, um, the, the practitioner will go through the, the disease scenarios that could be happening with the horse. But from a nutrition standpoint, what I'm typically looking at is do we have a match between calorie expenditure and calorie intake? Are we feeding the correct feed? Are we feeding the correct amount of of feed? Is the horse properly conditioned to do what you're asking him for? Uh, So those are are what we typically look for first in in poor performance. Does our feed match what we're trying to do? And is our conditioning uh, appropriate for the event that we're trying to do? And then typically this will lead into the discovery of some uh, disease or health condition that's often stopping these horses from from being performance animals.
1: Okay, and then probably, and this may tie with the first, is the horse that's got diarrhea or intermittent mild colic or a little weight loss that is a performance horse in one of these categories?
0: Uh, yeah. And and that is actually probably the area of research currently that's getting the most attention. Uh, what is happening in that digestive system uh, to make that horse have a, a loose uh, stool to, to colic, to have weight issues. Um, and what we're learning is we, we've studied the equine microbiome for a long time. Those are the bacteria in the hindgut that, that primarily ferment fiber for digestive purposes. That's what we thought they did for a long time. Now we're understanding that imbalances of those or shifts of those from, from one species to another affect how horses digest, affect how horses will have diarrhea, can have digestive upset or, or colic. So we're learning that that microbiome is very sensitive and changes in diet changes in exercise, changes in how we manage those horses can affect that microbiome and actually send that horse into uh, a situation where uh, he may have a digestive system that leaks or causes chronic inflammation. uh, And that can absolutely undermine performance. And some of the first things we see is changes in manure quality or consistency as our our first tip off that hey we may have something amiss in the in the digestive system.
1: And moving a little farther up in the digestive system of course we have known about gastric ulcers for a long time. Know how to find them, know how to treat them, but there's still a problem. So as far as nutrition goes, what can you suggest for veterinarians to help some of these horses who may have gastric ulcers or may be prone to them?
0: Yeah, so the, the frequency of, of gastric ulcers in performance horses are, are quite high, 40 to, to 93, depending on on the type of horse and which study you're looking at. So extremely, extremely common. Uh, I think what the take-home message for me is, is horses have had gastric ulcers long before we ever started looking gastric ulcers. So they're they're common and they don't mean that they stop performance in, in all, all particular horses. So some of the risk factors um, with it, high grain diets, um, low forage diets. So as we move a performance horse from standing in a field to becoming an event horse, uh, the amount of forage they eat declines in the amount of grain increases so we we need to take these into consideration of of how we feed and are there are there things that we can do to make them healthy Well, we certainly can't change risk factors like exercise. They've got to do that. They've got to be transported. They're typically kept in stalls from a convenience standpoint. Those things oftentimes we can't change. But what we can change is the diet. We can eliminate uh, high grain diets. We can use different ingredients to satisfy those energy requirements. We can eliminate fasting, okay? We can eliminate some of those times when those horses don't have access to feed. Then there's some specifics of of preloading that digestive system prior to exercise with specific forages, forages we know will buffer stomach acid. So a meal of, of alfalfa, Uh, 60 minutes prior to to exercise will actually create a mat in that digestive system, specifically the stomach. And the calcium associated with that alfalfa is known to be a very good stomach buffer. So, little things that we can do to help minimize the occurrence of gastric ulcers in horses.
1: Some really good tips there. Um, And I mean, equine metabolic issues, we could we could talk, you know again, for days about the different ones. But let's look at some of the ones that maybe veterinarians face the most,
0: yeah. so we you know we could certainly, as you mentioned, we could talk about insulin resistance and 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 Cushing's disease and and some of those is what we normally think of as as metabolic issues. But I guess what what I would would see from a, a Equine practice standpoint, what they're more likely to see with performance horses uh, is issues like tying up. Uh, we know that their horses frequently tie up. There's chronic cases of tying up, and we've classified those into three categories the what they call RER. Uh, recurrent exertional rhabdomyolysis. Most happens in, in thoroughbreds and standard bred, typically racehorse types. But then uh, two diseases associated with the carbohydrate content of the diet, the polysaccharide storage myopathy type 1 and polysaccharide storage type 2. Uh, those are very different situations. The type 1 where they actually have a known gene mutation for glycogen synthetase, causes a massive increase in the the amount of glycogen, both normal and abnormal, that's stored in a muscle. So these horses, because they have that, that enzyme that's mutated that will just store everything, all these sugars away in the muscle, those horses benefit very much from a low starch and sugar diet. So that's typically the feeding strategy we use on those where we minimize the, the use of, of grain, molasses, those types of things, increase the energy from fiber, both good quality uh, hay as well as super fibers like beet pulp and soy hulls, increase the additional calorie intake with added fat. Okay, so that that has been talked about for a long time the type 2 polysaccharide storage myopathy, they haven't found that gene mutation, so it's it's a different situation. Uh, this also occurs in more of the of the quarter horse uh, warm blood type and and this one is characterized by these horses just don't want to work. They're just intolerant to work, they don't want to go forward, uh, but it's not a sugar related disease. So feeding these horses is not a, a simple. Uh, minimizing the sugar intake of the diet, they have some issues with some protein and some contractile proteins. So the diet is very different. So we're not just starving those for for sugar and starch. We're we're putting moderate levels of sugar and starch and changing uh, things like the protein content and and those factors in the diet.
1: Yeah, and as someone who um, had a, a mare with PSSM type one, they can they can be managed. So it's just a matter of recognizing what it is and and getting your owners to do the right things with the diet.
0: <laughs> yeah, and absolutely, I, the the diagnostic is is very important because in in my work I get a lot of people that that will tell me their horse has this. And my first question back is, has it been diagnosed with that? Because unfortunately, Dr. Google is gaining in popularity and they say, well, it's got the signs it must have this. But without a, a firm veterinary diagnosis, it's hard to, to actually move the needle forward and, and manage the horse correctly uh, if we don't know what disease he actually has.
1: Right, and and I can I can... A test that the testing was easy for me and for my veterinarian. So yeah, if if there's the suggestion and and uh, yeah, I would I would talk my owners into getting the test because that sure changed the way. And she lived a long time with no no issues related to that. But okay, um, and I know that we're we're running a little short on time, but but I have to I have to bring this one up: skin allergies there's so many horses that have allergies and everybody says oh it must be something the horse ate which it could be but what what's your take on that dr duran
0: well allergies is as is- as you know, are, are caused by anything that can come into the digestive system, anything that can touch their skin or anything they inhale. So it's, it's a little more complicated than they ate something that, that yes. caused an allergic reaction. The other thing that, that is very fascinating is we're now thinking that a lot of these allergies, a horse has eaten oats for 10 years and then all of a sudden is allergic to them. Uh, What we're thinking is happening is we're now thinking that the digestive system is actually becoming leaky and it's it's causing some inflammatory response in that digestive system that's showing as an allergic reaction. So we don't think it's necessarily a food allergy. We think it's a digestive issue that we have a digestive tract that's compromised. And now the research is rapidly moving towards how can we heal that digestive system? How can we stop that chronic inflammatory state? And
1: the reason I brought that up is because I would love to invite you back to talk about leaky gut syndrome, because I think that is so important and they're learning so much about it. And I knew we wouldn't have time to really get into it today. So love to have you back in the future, maybe Dr. Duren, to uh, talk about that.
0: Yeah, I'd love to to be back. It's an exciting area, and and you know we we fed horses for so long. You know the fifty pound bag of of feed you get at the feed store and and baled hay. But if you look at what's changed in equine nutrition, it's rapidly moving forward of what we understand. So it may be the same 50-pound bag of feed, but now we're capable of putting many more things in it that are actually not only nutritious, but healing as far as keeping that digestive system functioning properly.
1: Well, and I I look forward to, the, to talking to you about that and, and some other topics in the future. But for now, thank you very much, Dr. Durham, for joining me today on this episode of Disease Du Jour. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. And a special thanks to our 2023 sponsor, Merck Animal Health. We invite you to listen to all the past episodes of Disease Du Jour on your favorite podcast network. And if you have any suggestions or questions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown at equinenetwork.com. Disease Du Jour is a part of the Horse Radio Network, the leading podcast network for horse lovers worldwide and a division of the Equine Network.